All right, welcome everyone. This is the third episode of Big Free. We got my man Brian Rast as usual, a very special guest, Phil Helmy, fresh off the World Series of Poker. He got his 16th bracelet, runner-up player of the year. Phil, how are you? Fantastic. I'm super tired. You know, I mean, like this, this last week was so intense. You know, Rast is my best tournament. I have the best record in the history at the World Series. And so to make that final table, I really thought I'm going to win another bracelet. It was my sixth final table. Somehow I finished eighth. I mean, I, I I had a really kind of rough level the night before, and uh, man, I felt like felt like I deserved a lot more chips. But deserves a really tough word. I played great, and uh, and then you know Friday, so that's Thursday, and then you're exhausted after a final table, and then Friday, I told myself I'm not playing this 50k pot in Omaha, and then uh, I had some some somebody had offered to put me in the tournaments for a really nice free roll. And, uh, and Sean Deep said, you have to play the bottom of mm-hmm. So I'm like, fuck. So I called the guy back and he's like, we can't for legal reasons or whatever do this. And I was like, fuck. So I have to put up my own 50K in the bottom of Omaha, which turned out to be fine because I finished second for 750, but it's 430 in the morning, you know, and, uh, and I know uh, it's down to me and Daniel and, uh, you know, and uh, Jeremy Osmus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I know if I win it, I'm going to take a nice lead in player of the year. And so it was just a real battle for three-handed. I think we went three, four hours. I actually watched that. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, a, lot, a lot of, like, interesting hands got played. So I, I will say this. You had a very large number of total animal bluffs, and it was pretty impressive to watch. Then they all got through other than one uber-heroic call by Daniel. Uh, that one had an animal. I bet too little. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but yeah. Where does where does where does I've never seen anyone bluff so much, and they just all worked except one. Yeah, and, and how would you rate Palomino and all their? Well, games? you, you got to understand, yeah. Rasty, that what happens is I play super super tight, right, all the yeah. time, and that's a really good system for me. And so then no one expects it somehow, some way, and then all of a sudden we get down there, and I'm like, okay, the only way to win is. Get a little animal. Now I got to 15 million. There's 25 million in the tournament. And then Daniel put this weird beat on me. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like the way I played the hand. I limped in with ace, king, queen in the small blind. Why would I limp it? He defends super wide anyway. And then it comes ace, queen, six. And his board, his hand is king, jack, three, four. And I bet 400,000, which the big blind was full. So he called, trying to an offsuit 10. And a 10 popped off. And uh, I think anybody and gave me a, a flush draw, a king high flush draw. So I've topped to a king high flush draw on a straight draw. Yeah. And I checked, um, figuring that, you know, probably hit a belly buster, which is a weird way to think. But I was right. He bet. I'm like, fuck. And I called. And I also trapped to check him, obviously. I mean, I also checked to trap him. And then uh, a blank on the river. A king came on the river, actually. So all I needed was a, you know, the board was, you know, it came ace, queen, six, then a 10, then a king, so four cards straight. And then I paid off 1.5 million on the river. And I just, that was such a turning point because if I play the hand the right way, I'm going to go to 16 million and I'm squeezing these guys. They're yeah. down to five and four. I should just raise, maybe he defends pot flop and he's probably out. It, like, of course he's yeah. out. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I was thinking about this when you said it, just jumping back a couple minutes. Raz, I have a little theory. Like, what do you think about this? Like, have, you know, I obviously play the mixed games, and Raz is a game, unlike a lot, like Stud 8, there's a lot of kind of mathy technical spots, 
But like Raz is very much a game where first, when someone comes in, sometimes they have a more standard hand or occasionally they have a banana, like in the hole. And then not only that, during the course of the hand, when someone catches a card, oftentimes if it's a good card, either it's a good card or it paired them. Correct. So like, I feel like that's a game where playing Raz, like unlike a lot of the other limit games, there's a lot of spots for reads where either someone really likes or doesn't like something. Great which is probably why it's maybe your strongest limit. Hand. That's why I have a first, a first, a second, a fifth, an eighth, and a twelfth in the last like six years. And there's there's only been what twelve Raz tournaments. Yeah. And I missed one or two. So yeah, it's a great reading game, right? Yeah. So, I mean I, I want to tell a hand that was so animal that the true professionals are going to love to hear this hand, but the amateurs are going to be like, la di la di da di da di da what's he talking about? Yeah. So I raised it with an 8-up, and uh, I'm going to say I raised with a 10-up, actually. No, it's called an 8, and, uh, and Max Pescatore called with a, a do-so. A 3-up. I'm going to get the story right now. I got it right. Okay, so, uh, so then he hits a deuce. And I hit a 10. So now I have 10, 8, and he has deuce 3. And he bets and I call. So first of all, almost everybody on the planet just folds right there um, because he broke into deuce 3. And if it has deuce 3, 4, you're not in that great of shape. So the turn card, I hit a king. And he hit a uh, 3. So now my word is king, 10, 8. And he bet. And he's, but he paired one of his low cards, right? Was it the his one of his deuce three three? Mm-hmm. Right. The three was his original card, so he Correct. paired his original card. Right? Correct, which is a little important, actually. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So three three deuce. So I sat there and I just kind of berated somebody for trying to hit runner runner. And not only that, my runner runner is, you know, two and an eight, right? Or is it? A, yeah, an eight. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And so I call, but I say out loud, I think you paired the deuce. I call him. And, uh, and then I had a queen, and he hit a four. And he bet again. Okay. Now, now, is the- now you have to fold. <laughs> yeah, <we're> in- <laughs> Except not me. I check-raised him all oh, wow. So I check-raised. So my board is eight, ten, king, queen. So you have His a, board you have is a deuce, queen with a draw to three, a three, four. I have a yeah. queen with a draw to a ten. I check-raised in my last 2,500, but 6K. He called the 2,500. And the weirdest thing about the hand is he was actually drawing dead. He had paired the deuce and he had like a jack or something or a bad one, right? Worse than that. He had oh. a full house already. Oh, wow. Okay. So we don't know why he called the extra 2,500. Somebody was joking we should go get a ruling. <laughs> you know, what's he doing? He has a full house. <laughs> Someone else said, well... You know, Phil could have had tens and eights, <laughs> so he wasn't technically. And uh, and so it was just so fucking animal to, to play the hand like that. And yeah. for my last chips, too. And so then Sean Deeb, who never never complimented me in poker ever, not one time, said, oh, my God. He said, now, now my eyes are open. You know, I see that was such a great play film. He's like, almost that uh, was amazing. And, uh, you know, and the story's funnier because he was drawing dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's why the story is amazing to anybody out there who plays it all. It's like, what the fuck? It'd be one thing if somehow I was right and he had deuces and threes and he had somehow an eight draw and missed, but drawing dead. And then literally two hours later, I had the chip lead. And so we're second chips, finished the day second chips. 
Yeah. And then day two, I played just fucking amazing. And, uh, you know, the last two hours, it was very brutal. You know, uh, Eric Sagstrom and uh, John Monet uh, just kept, they kept starting with a nine. And I kept starting with, you know, three to the seven, three to the six. And they beat me and they didn't do anything wrong. You know, it was yeah. just, that's, you know, I mean, they were representing hands. And so literally, I think I lost maybe, you know, 10 out of 10 pots to those guys in that spot. And it really hurt. And so I'm just fighting and scrapping. But, you know, if you're going to lose with three, five, seven against a guy with a nine, eight, and I say you have a nine and I say you paired nines, I still can't do anything when I hit king queen. Because now he breaks into a nine and a six. And I'm like, I think you have nines, but you could have a nine made. And I really am drawing. And so, yeah, anyway, whatever. Uh, Raz is, is there's so it's so misunderstood, number one. And number two, um, it's such a beautiful game. There's so much skill. And, you know, Mike the Mathematica, who I've talked 300 hours to in the last two months about poker strategies. It's a lot. That's all he wants to talk about. Ah, do you hear about this end? Do you hear about that end? Da, 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 da. And we talk just yeah. tons of hours. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he was like, Raz is all luck. And I said, listen, I'm gonna, I want you to lay me 10 to 1 on me making the final table. I bet 10,000. And I said, but, but after that, you shut the fuck up for the rest of your life about whether Raz is luck or not. Well, he's like, Raz is all luck. Of course I'll lay you 10 to 1, feel. And I'm like, okay, you got to bet. And then I realized I just didn't want to. I mean, like, what am I going to do? I won a tournament, and I threw him 10000 for sweating. Uh, when I finished second, I threw him five thousand just for just as gifts. What am I going to try to do? Bust Mike the mouth? Right. Yeah. And I said, but but you're going to have to shut up if I make this final table. And afterwards, That's he's like, that is worth yeah. 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 And afterwards, he's like, all right, Phil, now you need to teach me. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want to teach you because everything I teach you, because I taught him everything about every game, yeah. and he's taught me everything about every game. But Mike, you know, will promise I won't tell you, I won't tell anybody anything, and then Phil Ivy will call me and say, oh, Mike told me to do this. It's a great trick on. on (laughs) What the fuck? You told fucking Ivy this? (laughs) What the fuck? And so, so I can't trust him, but I think he's, he's figured out a lot. And, and and you're starting to see a few things too. It's, it's, it's happens to be, the game happens to have a tremendous amount of skill in it. Um, It's just, no, I don't think anybody else on the planet plays the King Queen tenant. I don't think one other person on the planet would have continued yeah, um, it's a really rough spot when he hits the four. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, and some other great players might be able to to somehow call with a with the deuce three three. Then the four, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, here's the thing. I, I think some alarm bells go off depending on who you're playing because it depends on the way they mix their ranges up on third. But alarm bells would go off when the deuce, especially on a short stack, doesn't raise you with opening an eight. I mean, assuming you probably have three to an eight, but most people, when they have a really low card up, raise, even if they have an eight or a nine in the hole or not, like most people play the hand that way. So that would have been a little, like, I don't know what other cards were up, but that would have been a little like, okay, like what's going on? But usually even at that point, when you've caught pretty bad and he's got the deuce three, three, four up, usually at that point, most people are give up the hand. So, so that, I mean, right. So yeah. I told myself, listen, you need to focus on day two. You can't be telling the story. Yeah. If you if you send the story out, all the great players are going to be like, oh my god, right? The, the the greatest of the great are going to understand how pure my play was. And then all the guys that say they're great, the idiots that don't understand what we're really doing, you know, that say that math says this, math says that, they're going to be like, oh well, whatever, it was lucky, Phil. You know, but the greatest of the great. And I thought if I send the story out, I'm bragging. And so let me just focus on day two. And then day three, 
And then now that it's over, I can brag a little bit about the hand because it was so much fun. Yeah, we were talking, Brian and I, before about like solver work. And I know you, you do, you, people like to joke about this, this thing that you have is kind of like superpower. But what do you say to those? Like, because I know it's kind of a weird thing. We, we talked about this on my podcast before to hear, get the respect of players like Sean Deeb and other great players versus like kind of like, does it matter? You just keep getting results, you know, whether the great players acknowledge you or that the public thinks you're the best or whatever. Like, how, how does that make you feel? Do you want to be known as the best? Do you like just like if they think someone doesn't respect your game, you just punish them and win? That's like, a good question. I, I want to be known as the best and uh, for sure. But then I kind of don't like it when. Like I was playing in the No Limit yesterday, uh, right? And have a chance at Player of the Year, and everybody else goes out. So I have to finish first or second for Player of the Year. Maybe this is like 12 hours ago or something. But anyway, uh, I had this shot, and Jared was at my table. You know, and Jared's, oh, my God, Phil's the greatest Blesnick. He's like, and we all know Jared to be a really great player. It's like, Phil's the greatest. You fucking idiots don't understand what he's doing. I watched the pop, pump, 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 pump. Then bets a hundred thousand on me against somebody else in the middle of the tournament, and I don't kind of don't want to hear that. I love Jared. And thank you, brother, for the compliments. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I, I want to be thinking. Okay, it's no limit hold'em. I want to sit in my seat. I try to turn the music up as loud as I could because I just want to focus. What do I need to do to win this tournament right now? What do I yeah. need to do to play perfectly the next five minutes? What do I need to do to make it to the end of the day? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do because because I'm on right. I'm on as on as I've ever been. And so it's a matter of let me, and then all that distraction. So, you know, it's particularly distracting when it comes from great players. So you want their respect. You probably don't want to be hearing about it, you know, you know, right at that moment. And it does affect you, you know, it's like, I, a, I had a moment with and that. And let me say one other thing. One with other that thing. in, uh, yeah. And then I want to come back to you on this. So I was with Michael Jordan once. We're in Miami at this nightclub. And uh, we're standing side by side. We're, we're the only two guys dancing. All you motherfuckers are afraid to dance. You fucking guys. Yeah. Just go to the club and just stand Not sure. I like this. I dance. People but Jordan and I are dancing. Dance. We feel like we're the greatest. And uh, and I look at him and I am go, yo, MJ, you are the greatest. And it's one in the morning. It's a mansion work the club. Yeah. And, and uh, Holyfield's with us. All these fucking superstars are there. And he stops me. You're the greatest. Because he doesn't want praise. Praise is yeah. so fucking corrosive. When great people tell you you're great, it's it's you don't want it. Like you all you crave it, but they give it to you and it fucks with your head. It's a mind fuck. And dealing with that mind fuck, I've gotten better and better. And I said, no, let me finish. And I said, yo, MJ, you have six world championships, but I have nine, motherfucker. <laughs> And then he slapped me, gave me a high five, and then we started laughing. Oh, and, this was a while ago because you got 16. This yeah, was a this long time ago. ago. I don't know, maybe longer than that. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I had nine or ten, but it was a long time ago. But but praise is fucking corrosive, and it gets to your head. Uh, about the mind fuck thing, because there's actually a number of things I think is interesting. So first, uh, in the Raz, there was a period on day two early on where I got the chip lead briefly. Um, went to another table that I think was much harder. I, I was at a table where I built up all these chips with like Benny Glazer, another really great player. You know, Benny plays the game very well, I think. More, a different style, a very aggressive style, but he's good. Benny plays very fast. Very and fast. Benny, I'm saying this to you. You, He's so fast and he's been super lucky against me. I recognize he's great and he won the yeah. tournament and he deserved it. But I mean, you know, I want him at my table because if I start beating him pots, I'm going to get a lot of chips quickly. Yeah, he plays more pots than anybody else. And there, there was another really good player at the table who I'm—I I'm, uh, forget his name right now. But anyway, 
I go to this other table that I thought was softer, didn't win a hand for an entire level, didn't drag a chip, getting sucked out on seventh. And I started to get quite tilted. I even remember going over to JG. And it's funny, like within 24 hours, I saw this really cool clip by Giannis Antetokounmpo saying, talking about how when he thinks about the past, it's his ego and the future. You saw that just recently? Yeah. And I I retweeted it and I'm like, but staying in the present is about being humble. And I'm like, oh my God, like this speaking to me, because like, I'm getting tilted in this RAS tournament because I had all these chips. So now I'm thinking about winning, right? And then when things don't work out, because I mean, things don't work out in poker. Entitlement tilts. Like, yes. And then and then you get a little tilted about it. And, you know, during the time I was tilted, I could say I was pretty happy with all my play other than one seventh street bet, which was bad. And I lost, and, and the guy sucked out on me, and but I should have checked my hand back. You, you played good during entitlement tilt. That's where I always blow it. So, so, but like... I think if I wasn't tilted, I wouldn't have made that bet, right? That was an entitlement bet, actually. Yeah. I've never I heard that. Entitlement that. tilt. That's a new thing. And it's just like, wow. And then I had a much, and even though I didn't really run good the rest of the series, I went out in some of these high rollers, I felt like a lot better. And I actually was okay with a lot of my play, you know? It just didn't work out. But what you were saying, like, made me think of that first because of this exact thing I was thinking. But then also, it's almost another question for you because – you're very well known for what happens at the table, which I feel like, you know, watching some hands this summer and having played with you for a long time. Like I personally think a lot of people misunderstand your play and even talking about the standardization of poker with solvers and GTO and not to take anything away from that. But at the end of the day, you're playing against people. You can get reads, which you do better than like almost anyone. And that that's a totally separate, like physical this, but then beyond that, um, I, beyond that, it's like these people aren't perfect, like very, and especially in games that aren't no limit hold'em, where there aren't even really good public solvers available. Like people have their styles, and so like one of the whole points of poker is to exploit what they're doing wrong, which is not a, a game theory optimal way to play. Right? You're already deviating to exploit. So you know, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that very well. And yeah, even I can just say like watching a few things, like definitely watching the PLO final table, you know, there are a few spots like I would have played a few hands differently, of course. Uh, but there's also some spots where I was just watching you rip in these bluffs where like I never would have played it that way and you just won the pot. I'm like, okay, wow. And I think it's one thing that people, everyone's like so quick to judge and tear other people down rather than give respect for like what other people do that's right. You know, and you do like, even though you do some things that I wouldn't do, you do like a lot of things. Right. And so, I mean, I just want to say that to you right here, but then, you know, yeah, but I mean, like here's the thing rest the beautiful thing for me is this. Yeah. You have a whole generation of players that think they're playing perfect. Yeah. And they're not, and I know it, but only four or five people know it on the planet. So it's great for me. I don't want them to learn. I don't, I don't want to be on any streams anymore. I really don't. Yeah. I I want to be on streams when I'm filming with my friends, when we're filming no limit, hold them. That's great. Because I don't want to be in these fucking streams. I don't want them to see what I'm doing because when they, because now they're starting to say, Oh my God, you know, we didn't give Phil enough credit. You know what they should have done 20 years ago and 10 years ago. I said, wow, what is he doing? Right. When I came into poker, I studied Jack Keller. I studied the great players. I'm like, all right, what's he doing that I'm not doing to learn these idiots not only don't study me, they pre they're like, this was a bad play. This was a bad play. This was a bad play. And if I sat down with them one-on-one, I could tell them exactly why I did what I did. And they'd be like, oh, my God, that makes a lot of sense. 
But I'm not want that. I don't want yeah. that. I want the credit, but I don't want them to get better. I, I want to ask you about your so-called blow-ups or your passion because they don't deserve to get better for all the shit they give me. Well, there, all right, there you have it. But my, my question is for those at home that see you, you know, because it, it, like the word entitlement is important, right? It's like you don't want to come from a place that I saw an interview uh, during your three handed PLO. Daniel Grandu came up and was kind of having a rough patch, right? He's a lot of min caches or whatever. And he said about responsibility, you know, he take responsibility, be, be uh, realize like when you find yourself tilted, like when you outburst and get upset, because we all feel it. We all want to win. Poker is competitive, right? You're at the table, everyone there is trying their best. They want to win. Sometimes you might just like, you know, show your emotions. Do you believe that's part of what makes you great and different is the passion and that you're, that you just wear it on your sleeve? Or do you sometimes when after something you go back and like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or said that to that person, or is it just who you are? And you just, that's like your, your passion. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I wish, always wish I wouldn't have said it. Always. I feel that way. Right. Okay. Um, but, but there's a community now. Ras and I were talking about this. It's a community. It's like a hundred, 120 people that all play the 10Ks mm -hmm. together. There's a real community. I think everybody felt closer this year. There's a lot of bonding going on. And I'm just the guy that has a bad temper and cries too much, but then three minutes later, we'll ask you about your wife. Mm -hmm. So they all love me. Right. It feels really nice. I'm loved by the 100 high-limit tournament players that I play with all the time. They all love me. When I, when I, when I was going crazy at the Zeno final table, he texted me. Uh, we were texting back and forth. I said, you played great, right? People don't know that. They think that I'm, I was mad at Zeno or something. You know? Right. I was fucking tilted that he that he went a little crazy with the diamond draw and, and got there, right? And it was very tilting for me. And so I went off a little bit. Right. And Or a lot of it in that case. Um, but there's this community that loves me. So it was like two days ago. I was going off a little bit. And ah, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 it was it was remarkable that exactly one minute later, the guy and I were talking and laughing and fist bumping and high-fiving. So the poker community knows that's just me not being able to control myself. Mm -hmm. Now that you talk about, you know, fake news, right? Fake news is where you see Phil Helmuth doing that and you don't understand the effect it has on the people around him. You know, instead people are like, oh my God, he's the worst for poker, blah, blah, blah. You ask these hundred no, guys, that's not, they all want to be at my for, table. It's good for poker. But they all want to be at my table too. All the Actually. amateurs, all the pro, they all want to be with me because I'm going to have fun and I'm going to laugh and I'm a joke and I have a lot of charisma and personality. Yeah. And not bragging, I just have some personality for better or for worse. Right. People want to be at my table. And so, you know, so the world gets this impression of, oh my God, this guy's an asshole. Look the at the way he's treating brag. random people. Yeah. And that's a good point. So I don't want other people treating people like that. And so after that outburst for the stud final table, I reined it in. Let, let me say why uh, a few things. First, to a, to a certain extent, a reason why it's good for poker is, I mean, listen, there's a hardcore small, it's a small percentage of hardcore poker players that will watch a stream in order to watch, like what I do. I'm like, see how people play. It's interesting. You, you learn things, you, you think about the game, but most people are watching more for like the dramatic aspect of it. And, uh, and you're providing that they're like, you're providing a lot of like drama and stuff like, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not always the most talkative person are sitting there. They're really trying to make decisions. They're thinking, and you're interacting. You're a personality. You've been there for years. You've won the most bracelets. You obviously give a shit. And even if sometimes maybe you step over, you know, what a social norm of being polite would be the same time as like you're creating drama 
It's like, there's a reason why people watch reality TV shows. It's like, you know, you have a character, people get to know the character and then there's interactions and you create a certain amount of drama. So like, I think it actually makes it more interesting. Right. And, and I will back up and say about the other part. Yeah. There's a lot of, com- even though everybody's competing, there's a lot of camaraderie with what's going on with this small group of people that play all these like 10 Ks and yeah. And like people like each other. And I'll even say from earlier in my career, when I didn't know you, I always viewed it as a little bit of a badge of honor. Like I remember playing poker with you, like when we were in the, let me, let me ha- come, come give you yeah. kind of like everybody views it as a badge of honor. Oh, Phil went off on me. Yeah. Then they say it out loud. This is a badge of honor. Yeah. Like, when I was young, like when we were playing in the Poker Players Championship, we had played together a couple days. And, you know, I, I knew that deep inside you were coming after me because, like, there are times, especially back in the day, when I used to kind of run the table with aggression. And, like, but in a very, you know, like we were just with Benny Glazer. And, like, you know, you don't want someone else to be the table captain. So it's like, I, you know, you would come after me and, you know, I, I, I know what's going on. I, I see it. I don't want to give away everything that you do with that. But there's a certain amount of like emotional manipulation that happens that I think you probably get reads out of. And so, like, you know, I I uh, but I viewed it as a badge of honor that like you came after and berated me, you know, but yeah, that's, what, that's what all you wouldn't do that if you didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've arrived. Phil Hummuth berated me. And so it's kind of it's weird. Yeah. So you have this public perspective and you have this perspective of the people that we actually play with. Yeah. That the people that you're competing with. So right. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's cool. But let's talk a little about this, this WSOP. To come back to the solvers. Okay. Uh, for yeah. a second. Yeah, let's, let's address this Phil, Cause I think people, never, some people I, think you may be locked in your room and you might. I've never secret. used a solver in my life. Okay. I don't, wouldn't even know where to go to get one. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I looked at game theory optimal for about two hours of my life. Then I won the no limit tournament the next day. Once I realized they were floating me with nothing, I'm like these motherfuckers, right? So that day, I actually this is a true story. You can't make this up. The next day, I just bombed every flop. I said, "Well, of course they're going to call." So I bombed every turn, yeah. and then assuming they, and then I bombed every river, and I just went and won the tournament. And so, so no, I've spent no time studying any of that stuff. Um, what I what I will watch is the way sometimes people are playing hands. Right. And I'm like, God, that can't possibly be right. That can't possibly be right. That can't I'm watching the no limit tournaments. And to me, they're making all these mistakes. And then, but it's funny because then they think I'm making all these mistakes. Right. Right. And so it, that's, but that's the great thing about poker, right? Yeah. There are people, uh, there are a lot of people that think they're better than me in a lot of games. Right. And there are a lot of people lot of that I think no that I'm better in a lot of games. Well, and no limit. No limit's the game where there's the most solver and like it's a publicly available solver such as PO. Like, do you do you believe that really since solvers have become public, say like five or six years, do you believe that the quality, overall quality of no limit hold'em play has improved? Because I will say I, I actually think the last five or six years have been since whatever I've been playing for almost 20. You've been playing for 35 or so. So like I, to me, out of the last 20 years, the biggest kind of jump up, I think, in just overall level of play has really been the last five or six and no limit that I feel. And I think it's because of solvers. People are playing but, better. People used to not play tight enough. Yeah. And now I sat down in the main event. The main event was just this amazing event where all these players came in and had no chance to win, right? And you still a ton of them. 
but you know, they just make, you know, they just call off their whole stacks. It would come queen four deuce and they put in a hundred big blinds with queen king. Yeah. Queen jack, queen king. It was amazing. Right. And you just, you just, you just chip up, chip up, chip up. And you know, and very frustrating when you have aces and they somehow have their set of deuces that one hand after putting hundreds of big blinds on the top pair, but that's neither here nor there. But just to speak to your question, people have gotten a lot tighter. So when I played the main event, I was surprised. So let's talk about the main. Because let's, let's be honest, a lot of the people in the main, they're not using solvers. Or if they are, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Let's talk about like a, a higher echelon of poker player, like guys that both you and I know. So and we don't need to name 10K, names, but they're using, these guys are clearly using solvers. They have their private groups, whatever. I mean, them, like more like the high roller crowd. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of those guys got a lot better from where they were seven years ago. I think they've all gotten better. Yeah. But there's still there's still certain assumptions that they make, especially yeah. the GTO stuff. I thought was was not the best, right? Now people are starting to get away from GTO, right? Yeah. But I mean, it was so funny to have all these all these clowns. Well, I'm going to say it. These motherfuckers come after me. All these clowns playing GTO, and me just going, "Wow, that is a ridiculous way to play poker," and have all these clowns tell me how bad I was at no limit hold'em was just there was such an irony there. Right? Like give me give me an example of, like let's say in a spot where the, it's definitely a GTO play but you're I'm at not going to give you any examples. No, no, I don't, yeah. I'm just saying like but like is it something where you when you're down at the table and you're like okay my table's soft like this guy you know there's certain things this guy can't do or won't do and you see people just like making like big jams or high risk plays is that a little bit of it too like you just know how to not put your chips at risk in a spot where the book says well, shoves threes but like you're not going to do it because they're hour levels and you're going to find a great spot to go post swap and pick up chips. Is it more like that? Correct. A yeah. bunch of stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. want to go into specifics. Yeah, I don't want to give away the because secrets. Because I'm giving yeah. away my secrets. This is big but free. This isn't all so the fun, free. This so is, weird, you know. though, for me. And, and I'd say, Mike, do you understand? And Mike's mouse is the only guy who I really talk everything with. And I'm like, do you see how badly they're playing? Mike's like, oh, these are all the best players. These are guys are great. And I said, Mike, you're better than they are right now. I remember you told me this. Was like, and then all of a sudden, Mike him. started getting there all the time in No Limit. He's like, oh, my God, you're right. And then I'm like, do you see these plays that they're making? They cannot possibly be right. Yet they just taught the whole fucking poker world to play exactly like yeah. this. And, and I'm, I'm laughing. So either I'm delusional, right, which is a possibility. I'm delusional. Unlikely. Right? Or, they're, or you have the whole fucking world is off, mm-hmm. Right? And so I like that. I like that dynamic. I think that's why poker's so alive, though, because there's this both sides. People feel one way or another, and like the game is. I feel like the game's in a strong place right now. What do you? What do you? Uh, let me imagine. I'm going to say one thing, and it's yeah. going to go. I love this line. It's like a fucking kindergartner telling Einstein me that he's not smart. That's what. That's what GTO was saying to me. Like fucking kindergartners telling me Einstein that I'm not smart. And so I mean, but it was, but. But they all believed it, and they all fired it, and they all said it thousands of times. They travel in fucking packs. You know this, right? This is the pack, right? And then everybody says, imagine this. So there's this pack, and they say, everybody has to do this. And if you're just a little bit off the pack from a social perspective and you make a mistake, they shoot you. What an idiot play that was. Come closer to the pack. So all the guys that are outliers that bust, they all come into the pack. And so the pack just continues to go whichever way it goes, right? And I'll never be in the pack. I want, I want to look at the pack and figure out how to beat the pack. If you all are going to play this way, then I can play that way. You know, and so now when it comes to the solver stuff, I can't speak to, I know this, 
you still have to execute. Yes. And let's just say that you, uh, let's say that a solver told you that, that this is exactly the perfect thing to do at all With times. With your range. Correct. Yeah. And let's say you, let's say, let's say that the math, you have it perfectly down. Yeah. That guy still might not ever win a tournament. Yeah. Because guys like you and I, and you are great at reading people are going to say, Oh no, you don't have it this time. Call, you know, or, Oh no, you don't have this time. I'm just going to move all in because I know you can't call. I'll give an example. We take a wrench and throw it into the fucking solver world. Where you're not giving anything away. But I'll give a self-deprecating example of me where I should have deviated from GTO play this summer and it cost me. I'm in the one drop, a tournament I never would have played in the last 10 years. Not the 100K, the 1,111 this year. I I, Because I'm like, I'm only playing WSOP tournaments this year. I have a different perspective on things. So I'm in this. Obviously, this tournament is filled with a lot of Week players, $1,100 buy-in tournament. I'm at a great table. I had, I think, just north of like somewhere between 80 and 100 blinds. I had a lot of chips. This is early on day two. Uh, I get involved. This guy to my right, who's a really kind of like goofball player, he, he had, he had, after I hadn't really done anything, I three-bet him in position on the button when he opened cutoff, and he called out a position with queen nine off. So, you know, like he's he's got his own theories about how to play that I don't necessarily agree with. But anyway, guy opens an early position off of not many blinds, like maybe 30 or, or, or so. He three bets him, which he wasn't a big three better. I have jacks and we have about the same number of chips. I have jacks on the button. At about 80, it's my understanding of some preflop solutions is 80. It's it's kind of a fold. 100, it's a pure play between raise and four bet. But the truth is, is that, let's say I had like 85 or 90. Yeah. The truth is, is that at this table, I should not get involved in, let's call it a break-even equity situation where I'm putting a bunch of chips on the line for no reason. Because I'm basically going to be able to steal a bunch of pots or play small where I know what's going on. This is a situation where once I put it in, I have to fade three more people, including the the pre-flop opener. I'm going to play a pot against this guy who probably has a pretty good hand. There's already a lot of chips in the pot. Like this is just not a good spot for me to get involved. I got involved. I basically lost most of my chips. Guy ended up having Queens. It was like an eight high board. And after the hand, I, I mean, I went and looked it up and even though GTO could have made me feel okay, not too bad about my play, I realized like I made a Really bad play. Horrendous. Horrendous play. And that's so, I will say that. I mean that that's part yeah. of that's part of my theory is why get it in now when you can get in later. Especially especially you're at a table where you're gonna just where you're basically just gonna double your stack risk free. Yes. And you wanna get involved and you and you have 85, 90 big blunts, you can fold for hours and still have or a it's not even fold, but if I want to like do things like what I just did, three bet this guy who opens and gonna call me out of position with queen nine off or whatever, or exactly. full, yeah. or, you know what I'm like? The point is, the point is, and, the point is you have the now, yeah. which is, which is a situation that they go with because the mass says they have to go with. And you have the later, which is where I live. I live in the later. Yeah. And so, you know, and it happens all the time. 20 minutes later, I have aces and, and some, some fucking goofball gives me a whole stack of nines for no reason. And boom, now I'm up. Now I can start moving a little bit faster if I want to. Yeah, or or like you said, some guy flops top pair and just loses a huge stack. I won so many yeah. tournaments just by just by knowing they didn't have anything. You know? Yeah. So 
I don't know. I, I want to I segue and ask you about this. So we got, I got brain fuel here. I know we, you talk about this a lot. I just want to know, like, be honest with me. What was different this WSOP than some others? Why, you set a record. Seven final tables. You're obviously well, running let's, well. Let's, let's, well. For posterity's purposes, yeah. I wrote this down. Just over $1.25 million cashed, 25K horse, six, 10K, 08, five, 10K stud, four, uh, 1500 deuce to seven single draw bracelet, 10K dealer's choice, two. That was an interesting one. You guys played heads up for a while. I, I, I wouldn't mind knowing, hearing a little bit about that. 10K Raz, eight, 50K PLO, two. So actually, two seconds that, that those are probably. Although, I mean, the one in PLO, you won a bunch of money for that one, so it couldn't have been. Well, but yeah, that three-handed, that three, listen, I'll be honest. I didn't feel like I, I didn't feel like I made many hands for a long stretch. If you're watching and you go back and you look at, hey, every time Phil had a pair, when I play Potlum at Omaha online, there's a lot of set over sets. You flop a lot of sets. I don't remember flopping many sets for three hours in PLO. It's, you know, and so. There were just, I didn't make the nut flush against the second nut flush, which is my specialty in that game, you know? Um, and so, and, and everybody's specialty, all the great players seem to have the nut flush. And so it just felt like, it felt like, uh, it felt like I just didn't, felt like if I just had a little heat, I'm going to win that fairly quickly. Well, that was, a, that was a back and forth too. There's a lot of doubles. The chip lead was moving around. I mean, that was three great players. I was, that could have gone anywhere. Here, against uh, Adam in the 10K dealer's choice, the only time I got tired. I would have thought that you would have picked No Limit Hold'em. Heads up. Especially having played some heads up. I watched that actually. Things. I watched that heads up. But I, well. I don't believe you you had picked that. Is there did, are you happy having picked uh, I think you were picking like the Deuce I told or Mike, Bidacy or whatever? Listen, listen, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh we played uh I woke up that morning and I said, Wow, I'm gonna win. I didn't have that many chips. There were like what 14 left. I said, Wow. I'm going to win. And then just boom, I just, I got all the way to 4.2 million. And I think he had 1.3 million. And all of a sudden I just got tired, you know, and it's brutal, you know, and you could, and everybody could see it. Mike's like, Oh, I see it in your eyes. I couldn't even carry on a conversation. He asked me at one point in the match, he said, Oh, who are the guys who you remember you finished second to? And I couldn't even process the question. I was like, ooh, let me focus on this hand. And he, went, oh, and he asked me another question. Oh, let me. So after just playing fucking dead strong alert and getting to 4.2 million, I got tired. And, uh, and you know, and Mike's like, drink a brain fuel. And I realized, all right, it's going to keep me up 10 hours. But if I finish first or second, I'm not sleeping for 10 hours anyway. Yeah. So I slammed the brain fuel. I went to the bathroom. I asked Mike Matz how to slap me. Across the face. <laughs> I said, slap me as hard as you can. No way. What? Oh, where's that content? No, I felt, see that. No, I felt some that. pain. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, that woke me up. So between the brain fuel, now I came back. And, and now I was back back 80% to where I should be. Okay. And then it just so happened that I lost every pot. And in his interview, he said, yeah, I had it every time against Phil the last half an hour. That was a pretty incredible feat. This guy won three in a row years this tournament. First, 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 I believe. I mean, that's out. That's that. It's pretty incredible. So, I mean, I'm obviously a great player as well. But how, how much of the seconds hurt? Because I think one of the things people understand is the amount of seconds Phil has. He has 16 firsts 
how many seconds and thirds? And we did, we did this before. I forget. It's a lot. Like you can easily have 40, like 30 bracelets. It's not crazy. Yeah. I think I have 13 seconds. Daniel, Daniel was laughing because he's like, we're competing for the most seconds. I'm like, no, we're not motherfucker. You got, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want fucking, I don't want any seconds. <laughs> and he tied me for a minute and seconds. And I think I just had two more this trip. Mm -hmm. So I might have 13 seconds. Um, that one hurt against Adam because I got tired and, uh, and, and is that probably back to your question? You pick no limit? No, oh. no. I just had a bad feeling, which oh, okay. is kind of goofy. But I'm like, you know, I just don't want to play no limit. Yeah. Um, but I should have because he was set up to call me. Um, Actually, he picked, I off, he picked off a bunch of bluffs. Everybody that picks off my bluffs, everybody that picks off my bluffs, I bust them all. I mean, it's it's staggering. It's ninety some percent. If I if you pick off a couple of my bluffs, I'm always busting you because I'm going to have it ninety percent of the time anyway. And so, you know, so just keep calling. And so I wish going back that, that, that I would have, uh, you know, that I would have, but I made another mistake too. It got to be 2 a.m. and I could have said I've had enough. Yeah. And he was forced to honor that. And so I just, after the slap in the face and all that bullshit, I got right back to even in chips and I just wasn't paying attention. It was like 2.15, 2.10. And I should have at that point, my wife wasn't there. I would have had my wife saying, hey, honey, when it's two, let me know. Oh yeah, she wasn't there because she was at Canyon Ranch, and uh, fuck, she she didn't even know I was in the tournament until I called her at midnight. I won the bracelet Sunday. I wasn't supposed to play on Tuesday, but I hopped in at two, and now I have the chip lead Wednesday. I mean, I was so exhausted after all those final tables. If I remember that right, I think you did play in the limit hand. It was a huge hand versus him. I think you did call one. I had seven there. deuce offsuit that hand, and uh, and I said, all right, I, I ran Daniel over twenty times in a row, and everybody else, I'm going to raise a big. And it, he called, and it came ace, queen, three, all diamonds. I had the seven of diamonds. I so this. I needed a diamond, as it turned out. If I hit a diamond, uh, he's yeah. up, he's down at 800,000 or something. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just didn't. Yeah. But I went for it uh, on the flop in the turn. Oh, it was uh, three diamonds, and you had yeah, and you're in position too, right? You bet. Four. He had ace, eight of hearts. Yeah, I, I bet big on the turn. And uh, I, even though I could see he was going to call, I still went for it. And that, yeah. that was a mistake too. You know, I just know they're going to call you. I, that's what happens to me. I know they're going to call. I should have just given up. And maybe the play was to jam on the river, you know, and he might call it. I mean, he's very stubborn. I didn't realize how, how many, he, he calls a lot. And so um, if I had, if I could go back in time, um, I would have stopped at two and, and he, and come back at noon or something. He wanted yeah. to play the horse the next day. And I'm like, fine, I should, we'll come back at noon and, and slept. And now I'm like, now he's going to get full fucking full metal fill you right. know, again, back fresh, ready to go. Probably would have hit the gym before the match. I mean, that would have been ready. And so that one hurt. I mean, I, I got tired and yeah. against Jeremy Ausmus in that three-handed match. I mean, I just felt like that I was could easily, too. Could easily if, yeah, but I wasn't tired. Because you're a night owl a bit. You do go to you seem to go to bed later in general, right? Like, yeah, but I was fucked for that one. I just had all the energy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't necessarily think I was gonna win it. Uh, but right. During the WSOP, is there anything like from your day-to-day -day preparation or process? Here we go. You finally brought it back to the brain field. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff and I are owners of brain yes. field. Got <laughs> some fridge. Look at that fridge over there. I actually used it a few times. Field. Uh Okay, so a couple of things about taking times. cases yeah. of mine. I'm, we're light on the cases. Yeah. Go ahead. Give us So one. first of all, um, I'd never used it in competition because um, I hadn't been in competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't played in forever. Oh, yeah. So now, uh, first turn around of the box. 
I go in and I play at like 8 p.m. I'm not going to take a brain field at 8. Mm, and so now, but I told the brain field people, I said, I'm going to drink one every day at the series where I start before 3. And, uh, and so I pulled it out. Now we're on day two of the 25K. It's a weird time to just pull out a new drink, mm-hmm. you know, but I have faith. So I drank it. And I just couldn't believe it. I was, I was just super calm all day. And I took, and I had, and I had ended up with like 1.6 million in ships and I didn't get tired. Maybe I got tired the last 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. but we're playing 10 hours of poker. Yeah. And I didn't have a place to nap at that point either. So anyway, I get, so anyway, it just helped me a ton. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. So I took one for day three, uh, made the final table. And then every other day two and day three, I did a brain fuel, every single one. And it just, it just, what it's supposed to do is supposed to, so you drink a Starbucks, you go up and you go down, right? And there's all this, any coffee up, down this, it just has all these, uh, all these, uh, all these chemicals in it that allow you ingredients. To, chemicals doesn't sound good. Chemicals ingredients. sounds bad. Yeah. Are we trying to sell brain fuel? Yeah. No, we're, we're drink selling chemicals. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, good drink ingredients. There's some really good ingredients yeah. in here. Some so that it's not just the caffeine and the caffeine crash or whatever. They are strong though. It. I drink about a quarter a day because I do feel it is very intense. Like it, there's a like, probiotic, there's beetroot, there's zinc, there's create, there's vitamin C and E, there's L. T-H-E-A-N. Yeah. And so what it does is it, it basically it's designed. He's a surgeon from Chicago. Yeah. And he designed this drink to keep you lucky. And so I swear to God, this helped me a ton. Yeah. No, I think a it ton. Is a great drink. Because my biggest mistake as someone who's getting a little bit older and even in the past was I have this knowledge. I think I have the best knowledge base in the poker world. I think and maybe and I told Mike that at the beginning of the trip. I said, Mike, I'm the best all-around poker tournament player in the world. He said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I said, well, just watch. And then, boom, I got there in every game. And, and, and I improved in every game, too. Um, like, there, there were things I didn't know. I played triple draw for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, some eye-opening stuff was taught to me. And then I played uh, Potlum and Omaha, and some eye-opening stuff was taught to me. And then I played – and so every game I improved. The only performance I didn't like was my stud performance – uh, and then I think Potlum and the Omaha eight are better. Uh, maybe could have made one or two different plays, but but it, I just felt like, oh my God, I'm the every table. I felt I was the best player. Right, well, I'm a, the best nice. Potlum and Omaha player today. I'm the best at this. I'm the best at this. I'm for sure the best Raz player. There's a bunch of other great players there, but I mean, no one's done even close to what I've done. And so every day I felt like I'm the best player, except the stud mm-hmm. and the Omaha eight are better. That's I never point. got going. I never got. I, I'm going to win a bunch of Omaha Eight or better tournaments. It's a fun game because because that's the most misunderstood game. But there's so anyway with that knowledge base. What would happen to me is I would get tired all the time. You go if I go back and I just think three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I had a huge chip lead in the limit hold'em and got tired at the end. I had the huge chip lead in the stud eight or better. I had a million in chips. You and Rash and played just blew them heads up the 50K. That was a crazy one, too. That was I crazy. might have gotten tired there because I put it because after never after folding two pair all for fucking five days, I went with three draws in a row against him, right? And, uh, and, but I mean, whatever. I'm not taking anything away, Rash. You deserve the bracelet. But, but my mistake is so this, what it does is this kind of kept me steady mm-hmm. and kept me awake. 
And then I was able to access my knowledge base. Very so, nice. Well, the brain side- field was amazing. And then we, and it's just sold out all over the country. You it's know in CVS is everywhere. I know it's 3000 CVS. They can't keep them in stock. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I want, but in terms of like a routine though, in terms of someone who like now WSOP is moving from the Rio, it's going to be back. It's not that long, right? We're already in almost December and it's going to be back in end of May. So it's almost another WSOP coming up. What would be like when you tell people and they look at you, like, how do you do that? Is it, do you rest? Do you take days off? Do you just play everything? Give give like a couple of tips besides obviously having a nice kind of, you know, the brain feel yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's sort of like I your routine? Brass asked me this question as well. So I think what happened was I was so fucking tired. Uh, I mean, listen, people don't understand the strength energy that Raz final table that I woke up Friday and I said, okay, I'm going to play the Omaha. Sean Deep talked me into the Omaha. I said, if you want to win player there, you have to play it. I hadn't played an Omaha tournament in two years because I felt like I always get it in with the nuts mm-hmm. and they always outdraw me. So I was snake bit. I'm like, you got to get over the snake bit shit. You won a million dollars playing Potlum at Omaha online in the last year. Mm-hmm. You just get over the snake bit shit. How snake bit should you be? Right. And somebody helped me with a basic tip or two. Really basic, nothing. And I was like, oh, my God, the lights went on. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to win a bunch of Potlum at Omaha tournaments. This is beautiful. I know exactly what to do. I have my reading abilities. And so for that one in particular, I was completely exhausted. My wife and I, after my eighth place finish on Thursday night, we went for a late dinner. We stayed up. We watched movies. And then Friday, I woke up just gone. Mm-hmm. And so I took a nap. Uh, I was so tired. I wanted to go to the gym first. I took a nap first. Then I went to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I took another hour and a half nap where I actually went into deep REM. And then I got up. And, of course, was still my eyes were still blurry and red. But nap, workout, nap. And then was able to grind through the end of the day. I got to ask you about your focus because this is something, you know, Mike Phelps, obviously, who I lived with for many years, you know, world champion in his own 23 gold medals, very focused, very, very able to turn, block everything out, just get out of my way. I feel like that's how you t- t- are as well. And even like we did some work with Playmaker, some, some cool video footage and stuff. We did this, but you're very like, some days you tell me you don't even talk to your wife. Or like if you're like, in the, if you're in a tournament, she's around, it's even like, look, honey. Sorry, like you just, it's not even like talk to her, just like she knows, like this is your zone. Tell me a little about your focus and how, how intense you are and how you think that helps you when you're playing. Now, I thought I, I, I did have a, I did feel like the Raz was going to do, do well for me. I think so. I think that's the one she flew in for. I mean, literally, she was here Wednesday in Vegas, home Thursday, uh, back Friday, home Saturday, <laughs> back. I mean, like yeah. she has to fly in for my final table. She was in five. <laughs> God bless her, right? Yeah. And one of the times when she arrived, I said, I'm going to say five words to her. Three words to her. I love it. I said, enjoy the day. That's what I did play. And I never said one word to her. Uh, and that happens to me. That happens to me when I'm, when I'm at the peak of my powers. I'll wake up in the morning. And if my, especially if my parents are there or my kids or my wife, and I don't feel like saying a word to them, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a great sign. This is, you know, and then basically I'll say, Hey, I really can't talk today. Love you, but I can't talk today. And then I won't say a word and just hours will pass. It's like, it's like I'm saving every energy. Each word is energy. When I get to the table, I can talk as much as I want, but it's like those words have a little bit of power, right? And talking to people, but my words have power. Makes sense. Um, I think there's part of an interaction that actually creates feedback, which is important. Uh, yeah, I'm getting reads. You know, I 
I have thought in, uh, about this answering this question. I mean, like what most people ask me, oh, Brian, like you seem like a person who's like on your A game a lot. And one of the things I tell people as well, actually, the real truth is I'm a person who's on what I call my B game a lot more than other people. Like I think B game poker is me showing up, not being tilted and, and playing. A game poker is when you're on a, an intense level of focus and concentration and like really not only is it a process of like paying attention to hands uh, and getting reads and all that, but even like there's a certain amount of strategic pre-planning and pre-adjusting. Like I know when I'm playing my best poker, like I am ready to make an adjustment prior to like the other person so you can anticipate it. Right. And just you're sitting there and you're filling in all the time between hands. So I don't only like see the hand, see what that guy has. Cause every showdown bit of information and exactly how they played the hand is important. But then in all the in-between times kind of filling it in with your strategic thoughts, planning, whatever, and, and working things out about like what you want to do and like, Oh, I'm going to take this spot or it's like, Oh, this guy on the button is weak. So this guy's going to steal extra from there or whatever. So I'm going to three bet light. Like there's all, you can just infinite number of these little things that a game poker is doing the best you can to like be in the moment and just like let as many of those thoughts flow through you. And I just like think most people don't understand that process. They don't understand it, but there's yeah. another level too. I show 70, 80% of my hands. Yeah. And I've been joking about it for the last few weeks. No other top player ever shows a card or a hand ever. No. And I show and I show and I laugh and I'm like, I had it, I had it, right? People don't understand that that has an effect on them, me yeah. showing hands. So I'm taking something which they consider a weakness, showing their whole cards, and I'm turning into a strength. I had it, I had it, I had it. I see the reaction on their faces when I show it. I'm Phil Helmuth, I had it. And so I'm actually creating. Conditioning. I'm conditioning yeah. everybody around me at the same time as, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on another level. They don't even understand Oh yeah. because they won't even I've, show I've their, they this. won't even show their fucking cards and I'm showing 90% of my hands, at least 70% of my hands. There's only show, show, the show, 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 are very good at this. This Nobody is a totally does. separate who else, thing. Who else shows hands? No, I don't mean showing <clears> hands, but I mean the process of like emotionally interacting with people at the table and getting, and, and whether you want to call it manipulation or just a, creating a feedback loop <laughs> where you now are, going to play better against people because it's not just showing the hands. You show the hands, you talk to them and you see how that person reacts to you. If that person is confrontational, you probably have a good idea about what that means they might do during a hand. Correct. If that person is like, Oh yeah, no, of course, uh, Phil always has it. You might, you know, but it's like, you're creating uh, you're, you're creating a system with a lot of feedback and getting all this information. And this right. is actually not something I'm getting, that I do. I don't really do this. I'm getting so, all this information from yeah. everybody. So you have all these, all these call, call it pros number five through 15 in the world, or five through 20, or maybe number three through 20. Maybe it's number two through 20, if I am number one. And they all believe that showing hands is bad. And me, if I am the best, show, 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 laugh, 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 talk, creating, you know, because... There's energy. There's there's stuff to be learned. So I mean, they're so one dimensional. If I show my hand, they will know that I am exactly GTO. If I show my hand, then Helmuth will have a read on me. If I show my hand, then you know, and so just muck 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 muck. But I mean, I'd like to think that I'd like to think that there's a level. Uh, that is know. another level for sure. 
I'll say that one of the best sessions I ever had, one of the best sessions I ever had, and it wasn't because of that, but I was in Macau when we were playing. Uh, this was actually the summer where I, I, uh, I missed like half the WSOP because I was staying over there. But the the players, the amateurs there had requested that we show whole, that anyone that wins a pot shows a whole card. And that ended up being one of my best sessions ever because I, I made a bunch of big hands. And then people were like, okay, he's lucky. He's running good. But then I had like all these crazy animal bluffs. And it just became this thing where I could just feel when someone wanted to call me. Yeah. Right? Like I could feel it. I was like, okay, this is time. Like to not a lot. Yeah. Like, right. and you know, and it just, everything like worked out yeah, the know, way it happened. <laughs> the crazy thing is I, yeah. I feel who wants to call me Yeah, and I identify it. And then I say it out loud. You're going to give me all the chips today. I hear you say that a lot. And then they get even more. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call them. And they give me all the chips. Yeah. It's crazy. You it's say like, it too, I, like not even to them. You like say it to someone. Under if you go message, back and, he's going to give me all the chips. If you can go back in poker history. To every person that I called, that I said, especially for the first 25 years, you're going to give me all the chips. You would be stunned at how often that happened. You'd be like, oh, my God, he's 80, 90 percent. How the fuck does he know this? But what you said is right. Sometimes you just know they're just they've had enough, you know. Yeah. And and I'm like, all right. You know, so my me saying you're going to give me all the chips. That's feedback loop and it keeps the loop going. You know, if I say you're going to play great against me and make a bunch of folds, maybe they would do that. But they're, they're already set up. The trigger's already been pulled in their mind anyway, so I might as well encourage it. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, tell, take me through WSOP, your history. Where was it? Because it was just in the Rio since I've been playing. So now it'll be a new venue, Bally's Paris. How many, what was the, was it Binion's for you before? What places have you played the World Series of Poker at? What venues? I mean, well, in, in the U.S. <clears throat> yeah. Um, we started the Horseshoe. Okay. And then they had it. <laughs> Upstairs at the horseshoe, downstairs at the horseshoe. They once took the fucking ballet area and turned that into a poker room at the horseshoe. Oh, wow. And then where do we go from there? I don't remember. And, and, but then, so Rio has been a big part. It's been for some time. Are you excited? I mean, you've obviously great memories, a lot of history at the Rio. Are you looking forward to this new stop, Bally's Paris? Do you think this is good, bad, and different? Or how do you- well, I realized this year, uh, you know, some of the guys, some of the guys that are willing to pay a lot of money, they can get a private room, right? And so, you know, everybody's everybody's talking about this guy has a trailer, right? They're bragging about this guy has a trailer. I had a fucking room, mm-hmm. right? But I, so they have a trailer. My room is closer, right? And uh, and I can get whatever the fuck I want, including a bed, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I just found myself when I one year when I asked for a room, which was the level above a trailer, I had a bed put in. I never slept in it. I never went to the room, and I'm like, fuck, what a waste. So for the last 10 years, I've had no room. Mm-hmm. Or you and I would occasionally, remember, we'd yeah, have that room, room, we'd go room, in. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's, it was, nice. it's, it's nice just for the private. bathroom, and it's, it's yeah. like, it's Private cool. bathroom's good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. even then, I just wasn't using the, I wasn't using, I just went with everybody else for the last 10 yeah. years. And then this year, I got a private room uh, for the last week or two. Mm-hmm. I found it really helped me because there was a couch in there, and I remember my wife and I both napping. <laughs> A couple of times in there. Yeah. She's, you know, and uh, it's nice to have the option. I think it's also like a mental, it's just like a placebo, right? It's like good to yeah. know you have it if you need right it. Right now, I know where the best room is and the room I was going to request for next year. So I'm going to have to figure that out. Um, but I also, I also, I, I kind of like being with the guys. I kind of like walking back and, yeah, you know, in the sunshine. And so I don't know. Are we yeah. going to have an outdoor area we can easily get to at the next venue? 
No. I'm looking forward to it. It's another chapter. Mm -hmm. And uh, any chat, anytime you enter a new chapter, you have a chance to write a lot of history. For sure. Yeah, I think it's exciting. It is very exciting. And, and are you, you're not going to do WSOP Europe? You're taking a break? Will you go over there or you don't know? Well, this is the first time I've said out loud I'm not going to WSOP Europe. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, my wife, about three weeks ago, she said, hey, um, can you just not go to WSOP Europe? I was so fucking tired. And it didn't count for player of the year. And But I love Leon, and I actually love King's Casino. I really like it there. I'm super happy when I'm there. Right. Uh, you know, it was so funny. Uh, I meant to tease Daniel a little bit. Uh, I heard Daniel saying, well, I don't like King's Casino very much. And then uh, I said, man, I wonder how he's going to react to this. Because then I went and I talked to Ivy. And Ivy and I love it there. We mm -hmm. both agree we love it there. It's quiet. It's calm. Um, <clears throat> there are some, you know, out of control stuff that happens sometimes in that place that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. That's not me. And that wasn't Ivy. This last couple of years we've been there. Yeah. And so he and I, we both love the calmness. And then I'm like, Daniel, you know, Phil Ivy and I just love it here. Daniel looks at Ivy and I was like, yeah. And Daniel's like, you know, I really like it here. <laughs> yeah. A little shift. He shifted. I really like it here a lot, though. I think it was some of the food. Daniel's got very specific food restrictions, too, and stuff. So I think it's not maybe. It's I'm just teasing you, Daniel. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I like the calmness. I like the, I like it there. And so. Uh, plus, they take amazing care of me, right? I mean, like, hey, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think they spent twenty thousand dollars on a first class ticket for my wife, and oh, she's wow. like, she's like, I've never flown Air France first class before because I guess Air France first class is really spectacular. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she said that was the best flying experience of my life. Well, there you go. That that adds a little. That makes it easier yeah. when you got you know to to go over and it's a night because it, it's a little bit of a trek. Right? You have to fly and then there's a drive. Yeah, I mean, not in the main like player of the year was part of it. Yeah, I'm sure we would see you would, you'd there be there. You're number you're two set, right now. I mean, this would be, yeah. But, Even if I were number 10, yeah. listen, I love it over there and I'd like to go. I think the timing's bad because it's the end of, I mean, what are we going to do? Like I have no adrenaline left, right? Yeah. Adrenaline is a, is, is a huge thing and adrenaline can allow you to play three or four days straight when you're so exhausted, you can't even see straight. Yeah. Right. But when your adrenaline's gone, I'm right at the edge right now. Right. right you know, no yeah. adrenaline left. Right. And so I can't, and what am I going to do? It's going to take a little there. time to get acclimated already. It's already started. The series is basically. Going yeah. And, and I like these 10 K mix has been a lot of fun for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And to the, there's a lot of events where they have like $500 buy-in where there's 10,000 people in them, mm -hmm. a bunch of day ones, day twos. It's harder to win a bracelet. For sure. For sure. For sure. Cool. Well, yeah, I think, uh, I think it, I, overall poker seems to be in a great place. Is that, do you feel that way right now? Do you like from what you saw the level of play? I said it people... 2019, Jeff, I said, when I saw, I, I couldn't believe it. There was a weekend in 2019 where they had a, a million guarantee in Northern California, a million guarantee in LA and a $2 million guarantee, like on the East coast somewhere mm -hmm. all in the same weekend. Right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's and they all went flying over. And I said, oh, my God, poker is not only back, it's back in a huge way, but not the highest of the high limits. Mm -hmm. What you see is people want to play the game. They want these $300 yeah. buy-in, $500 buy-in, yeah. 1K okay. buy-ins, and they'll show up in droves. They love the game. They want to play the game. And so I was like, this is a huge positive sign for poker. Plus, we're going to have legalization in the state's. Yeah, and considering it's, you know, the and that's the Super Bowl. Well, look at look at the WPT. The WSOP was pretty successful considering the restrictions. And the time, like it's not during people's foreign summer, players. Right? It was the, tough. It's, the quarantine and with the vaccine requirement, 
like if there had been nothing, like if this had taken place in summer when there was, they were able well, and to they could have, yeah. Or if there was just no restrictions now, I mean, this is probably, probably would have been the biggest. Well, I'll give you an ever. example. Next the, year the World Poker Tour in Florida, they, they uh, how World Poker Tour has been around twenty years. They set the record of entries by like twenty five percent more than the history of their biggest field ever. This was just they, the mat. I went there. Yeah. I had to wait it's like six months ago. Yeah, and and they had glass. Everyone's wearing masks and full glass at every table. That's still twenty five percent higher than their record had. in twenty yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it shows you. So I think poker is just going crazy high right now. And I and Rasty's right. And I you know come on man. I mean this is the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, this is supposed to be a super spreader event, right? And they did something very smart, you know, and I'm not pro, I'm not, I, I stay out of people's business. Yeah. Right. Um, I believe the science, uh, I believe in the science of the vaccine. I could be wrong, um, but I know that I got vaccinated as soon as I possibly could, as did my wife, as did my sons. And so the fact that they had 20,000 vaccinated players here and no outbreak for six weeks now, I guess when the main event started, we started getting some people sick. There were, at that point, I think we had close to 100,000 different players playing tournaments. Mm -hmm. And so they had a few people that finally got some COVID, but we're in Vegas. And a lot of people are very irresponsible, right? Yeah. They're going to the strip clubs or going to the whatever. Yeah. I'm not yeah. judging anybody, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, you know um, For sure. No, there, I, there were a few cases, but it was very under control. No, like events or they had to stop it. It seemed, yeah. it seemed under the radar. Maybe a few people mentioned they caught it. Super under the radar. I didn't yeah. even know right. anybody had caught it. I thought, wow, 100,000 people, zero cases. Yeah. But yeah, in the middle of a pandemic to have this many people show up, you're right. It would have been even bigger. Yes. Sure. I mean, we're not even going to have to wait that long to hopefully find out, right? I mean, uh, next end of May, beginning of June at Bally's. And hopefully by then we will have some differences. Either a lot more people will be vaccinated or maybe no, no requirement so that people who make whatever choice they want to make uh, can all come play. For and sure. yeah, it's going to be exciting. Absolutely. Well, I know, Phil, I know you got a busy schedule. You're super, you, you said you're very tired. Obviously, this just ended yesterday. You were literally going for player of the year as of yesterday. Yeah. How was that? Give me, as we kind of wind this this uh, third episode of Big Freedown, how was that going for it to be in contention in the last tournament? You were actually in the money with like 80 left with a nice chip stack. I mean, how, yeah, how I've never gone for player of the year before. Um, by that, I mean, I play tournaments to win bracelets. Mm -hmm. I care about bracelets the most. And I found myself somehow finishing three times second player of the year. And one of them, Merson had to win the main event. If he finished second, I was player of the year that year. That's so crazy. <laughs> and Ben Lamb had to make the final table of the main yeah. event. He had to finish eighth in the main event. Wow. And he took it from me. And then Jeff Madsen, uh, which I complain about, the rules they had posted, I passed him by those rules. But I'm not trying to take it away from you, Madsen. Um, you had a phenomenal year, two firsts and two thirds. But the rules were a little bit vague, and they had to Caesar, They had to have a meeting. Ty Stewart and all the guys got together, and they gave it to Matson. But that one could just easily have, so what, what three times. What was the what was the just some well, ruling how the points? No, were. the back then it was whoever won the most money. Oh, oh, interesting. and and right before I think it was there was somebody at the final table, maybe it was 03, at around six thirty in the morning. Okay. The day before the main event final table in the last tournament, I finished third. Oh, wow. I remember my poor wife. She was there at 6 a.m. Just like this. There were like three people in the room, the, the dealer and one floor person, you know. <laughs> and unfortunately, I finished third. But I passed him, and I was like, oh, my God, I just won player of the year because I knew, I knew the numbers. 
And then, and they said, wait a minute, we don't know. And Ty Stewart called me and they said, we're going to have to have a discussion and figure this out. I kind of thing I know they gave it to Madsen, but it was very controversial, uh, you know? And so now, now three times, this is my fourth time finishing second player of the year. And so, yeah, it really hurts. Now, the one way to look at it is it's a testament to how great I am at poker that I've finished second four times. Yeah. The other way to look at it is fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Give me the fucking banner, god right. damn it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is a little frustrating, but that's also, yeah, so it's very strong results. Um, so it made me do things I wouldn't do. So, JG, we played till 4.30 in the morning on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Osmus beat me. Well, the 50K started at noon. Yep. By the time I get to the room, it's 5.30. I right. need to have a little food. I need to decompress. I slept three hours and then entered a $50,000 buy-in tournament. on time? You could just enter on oh, no, it was day two, right? No, you couldn't. It was day two. You oh, it was day away. two. That's right. So you actually yeah, yeah, yeah. literally okay. pushed in almost. Yeah. So now I have to sit down on two or three hours of sleep with That's 10 brutal. big lines. I picked up ace-jack suited about the you know 10th hand, third hand, and I went with it. It was fine. I mean, I had 10 big ones. And, uh, and, and I'm out after three hands and I'm like, now I'm on three hours sleep and it's just, now there's the turbo. Yeah. I have to go straight to that fucking event. Right. And, and, I, and, and I'm playing the one K turbo and there's one rebuy. And I remember saying, okay, I can't, not only can I not see straight, I have no patience. I just can't play. And so I just moved in with King six of diamonds. I raised the guy with ACE smooth called this guy we raised. And I just went with it. The ACE is called. And I made a flush and I said, you know what? Maybe we need to. And I had a room at that point. So I had 27 K started with 25 and I went to the room and napped for half an hour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had the energy to, to continue to play. But I mean, man, you're just hanging by a thread. I mean, I need nine and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. And then, and then you, you, you got to play the hundred K the next day. And, and so at least I slept really well before that one. And it, did you That's play, really important for performance. Yeah. Day to day. Like you've got to get enough sleep. I mean, yeah, you can go on adrenaline for a little, but once you get caught it, behind, that catches up it can hurt you else. for the future more yeah. than it helps. Hey, were you playing some online events? Were you ever multi-table? I know Daniel and some of the guys like to do that, or do you just like to focus? Or were you I made a mistake. I, I skipped most of the online tournaments uh, because I remember playing all summer and not doing particularly well and just like, fuck this. And then I played one after not cashing last Sunday, mm. I decided to play the 700. I didn't have enough money in my money to play the seven K seven, seven. So I played the 777 just after I tweeted I'm back. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I went into the, I think they had the big bet mix game. Yeah. So I'm playing at the table and all of a sudden I'm in the money. And I mean, I got to 120 K in ships and I fluctuated between 120 and 190. When I hit 150, I was like fourth in ships. Fast forward to like three hours later, there's 40 players left and I'm 38th in chips. I still have 150. Wow. I never moved. And I had a hand that I regret a little bit. It was just, there was a flow of the game. There was game flow. I was making all kinds of tight folds. Whenever I raced on the button or the cutoff, they all folded to me. Mm-hmm. So hung around, hung around, hung around, hung around. And then with 37 left, uh, someone on my right raised and I had ace nine. And I was down to like I don't know, five, six bigs or something. <laughs> Six, yeah. some, somewhere, some, maybe it was seven, but I had, I went with it and I regretted it. I ran into Kings in the big blind. I thought, you know what? I could have folded. Maybe I would have gone up another 15 spots. Right. Just in this little weird range. It was just, okay. that, that's interesting. I don't remember ever being in an online tournament for hours going up every 20 minutes or whatever it is. And just sitting 
in that the range. Yeah. It, was, it was like there's something weird about it. But it's also you say you regret it, but at the same time, like you might have, if you had played all those online events while you were live, maybe your live results would have been worse because obviously you're giving up something by being focused. So it's kind of a tricky. But thing. let me tell you something. You know how many points I got for that little 37th place finish? 100, 280 points or some shit. Wow, really? Shit. So like, yeah, you really. And I'm like, oh my god, like two if, more caches online. If I, yes, I think one more cache online gets me close to. Him. Oh, because they have so many runners, right? So you get a lot of points. Yeah, yeah that's wow. your point. Correct. So then afterwards, I was like, oh I'm my god. If, so if I'm playing for Player of the Year and I'll try harder next time for Player of the Year, I, you can't miss those online ones, even if you have to come yeah. up the last second. Yeah, it's tricky. Too many points. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. Do like, you know how many total tournaments you played at the WS? 2021 WSOP. Yeah, I was surprised at how few. They they gave you the you can you know you I don't know you guys know this, you can go ask for a readout. Yeah. And they give you a sheet of the tournaments you played. Did oh, you know no, that? that. No. It's so yeah, cool. They're like, Phil, do you want a readout? I'm like, that. Does it readout? tally it? Does it tally your caches and stuff or just a Yes, of- everything's there. Yeah. These are the events you played. This is how many times you that's amazing. All re- it was amazing. And this was last night that I did this. And uh, I, I wonder like, if it's too late. Cool. I wonder if you can still do it today. Probably. Of course you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll like probably email it to you at the at the cage. Yeah, they probably would email. What's so what's the number? Forty? No, way less. Oh, I no. I mean, the first through the first like three weeks, I'd only played eight events or something. Oh wow! Because I made every final oh, table. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty crazy. And I took days off, and so yeah. I, I don't know by the end of it. Of three and four days. So yeah, maybe maybe you're only like twenty eight or something. I'm thinking twenty eight. I have the exact number. But I always laugh because the guys that are playing for player of the year, they always play twice as many as me every year. And I'm always right there in the mix anyway. So, and I believe that the guys, I believe these guys played two X plus the tournaments I played. Mm. Sean, Deeb, and Daniel. They played 55, I think I saw or something. 50 something. Only 55? So he only played double what I played. That's a lot. Yeah, if you put it this way, the number of top two player of the year finishes, four is probably the record. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, but that record doesn't sound impressive. That's yeah, pretty. It's pretty impressive. Well, you have 164 yeah. some so caches. I think the World Series, and yeah, I think Daniel's got the most, maybe or maybe two. Yeah, but, but but take all the online caches out. I mean, the guy cashed. Daniel's a great player, and 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 he and I get along really well, um, despite him constantly attacking me. But you look at the online two months. What did he cash thirty times? He gets thirty caches by playing these online tournaments. I don't think that, that those should count. I, I actually, I think it should be maybe a hybrid of that. I think there should, it should like very clearly show, cause they show you like circuit. They show you uh, Europe world series. It should be like, they should just put say online though. It should be a caveat. I think it should like break it into its own category. It, it should be their own category. Not saying it doesn't count, or, but it, maybe it should just, you know, it should be known. Like it's not because it is different. It's different. It's, it's different. I feel, I feel like the world series live in Vegas is like the grade A official. And then the stuff that gets counted beyond that, whether it's the overseas ones or the online, like, okay, maybe it's kind of part of their brand. So they're going to do that. They want to get people to play online and, and travel to those places. But it's sort of not the same. Like I, I only went one time. I went to, I never went to, uh, did they do it in Asia? I went to Europe once. That was Europe. I will say there are a few of those fields that are, Pretty small, like it's it's definitely like what are you won the main event. Shots yeah, win. so well, like, luckily hard. for me, I won with four hundred and fifty players and happened to be the main event. So it's really yeah. hard to question that bracelet. Yeah, no, <laughs> four hundred fifty is decent, but I'm just saying, like, I, I and the main the event, there's like one that's like thirty, or you know, like you get yeah, some yeah. tournaments for the thirty players, and 
Yeah. Well, no, the main also, event, that's 450 10K. I mean, that's like a real tournament. Well, they're also giving like Pennsylvania online, you know, like for third, there was like 50 players or 30 players. Like that's, you know, then it starts getting to be, that's. A no, that makes perfect sense. So yeah. yeah. $6,700, he should win a bracelet. <laughs> Right. We got to <laughs> listen. It does a lot, right? We're very happy about the WSOP, but we got to, yeah, we got to, we, we want to voice our opinion. Listen, I love the WSOP. Yeah. Me yeah to me, to me, and, and you talk about the, when you, when you, when you're sitting there saying the WSOP real person, I'm excited listening to you because I'm like, yes, this is our, this is it. Yeah. You know, but then the online should be a layer below that. We have the World Series of Poker in person right here. I get excited when he says it. Right. Yeah, but then I, I the, the online's just different. Well, listen, I was calling. I, I will. I don't want to build your. I don't need to build up. Bracelets online should count. I, I when For I sure. called today to add yeah. you to the list here at the gate, the guy with the guy literally said the real Phil Hellmuth. Like he was like excited. I yeah. swear to God. So listen, it's it's right. You embody WSOP. Uh, we're very happy. He, he he does, and in fact, I want to say this because I've said to a couple people. Poker's changed a little bit in my life in the last year and a half because of COVID for a number of reasons, but. You know, I, I actually played the least I played since uh, whatever I was in college, but I went in this this uh, it's not the summer to this WSOP going okay I'm like going to come to this WSOP I didn't play a hand of cash which has never happened I just played you know I played maybe 30, 30 odd tournaments and but I went in wanted to compete and I literally said to maybe a couple people like I'm doing this WSOP Phil Helmuth stuff yeah you know like I'm going to go you in told me that yeah I, I told Phil like. I, I, like I played the one drop. I don't know. I, I never would have played a 1K buy-in no limit hold'em tournament before because it was always like a money calculation. Like, okay, so even if I did come over and like max late reg a tournament, it'd be like a 10K for fun. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm stepping away from like a 4K, 8K limit game to have some fun. At least it's got to be like a 10 or 20K buy-in tournament. But this, it, my, my perspective is totally different. And I'll tell you what, I had a great time. Yeah, it was too. a lot of fun to go over. I played zero cash games, and usually yeah. I play at least one or two days. Zero in eight weeks being here. Yeah, so and I loved it too. I love. So I get it. It's fun. There's a camaraderie there too. Yeah. Everybody's smiling. Everybody knows yeah. everybody. It's just these high limit players, and and then, and then when you play in the tournaments where there's a, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand strangers, they're all happy that I'm at their table. They're all happy to be there. Yeah. And there's we have. The poker community is so nice and it's just 90, 90 percent plus really good people. Yeah. You know? And so sometimes there's too many stories about a few bad apples. Right. But I want to talk about all the fucking good apples in our game. And there's a ton of those. Yeah. Very interesting people. Very good hearted. And so a lot of my closest friends I've met through poker directly or indirectly. You have people. Listen, you have people who decide that they want to take some chance. You know, they want to, but they want to do that in a game with strategy, a game where you're thinking. And I think that's cool. Not just go on and just like bet it on a coin flip. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's fun. You have all these interesting people who like thinking, like competing, yeah, you talk, you, you know, out, you get- and uh, poker creates an environment where that's possible. Like you take some other games, not to say like chess, it's a beautiful game. But if you play chess against a great player, you're going to lose every time. Someone can come into a poker table and when I mean, you know, uh, there's just been a bunch of examples of that happening. You know, we can play, sit down at your table and do well and compete, you know. You know, you guys, if you're on the East Coast and you walk into a casino or in Vegas, mm-hmm. and, but especially the East Coast, because there's so many high limit games in Vegas mm-hmm. and you sit down in like a 2040 game, whatever, a 1020, the mix of people there 
It's just everybody's represented from it's everywhere. an eclectic group. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Yeah, it really is. And uh, and you're like, oh my God, that's uh, that's Bill Gates. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And the amazing. next him is whatever, and uh, and the other side is whoever. And it's just like just that that it's just it, everybody enjoys competing against each other. It's where we can kind of come together and just compete. For sure. Uh, do you know if the tag team would have counted for for POI? Wouldn't have. Right. Well, we got two out on that. You know that, right? That was. I was going to say that would hurt if that was the uh, <laughs> that, that that held you back. I found out later. Yeah, you and I. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was a good time. In fact, we had recruited Rast for the team. Yes. And then we found out you could only have two on a team. Yeah, it was two two team. We had to stick with the brain fuel and uh, stick with the stick with us. But Rast and I have played on a tag team. It's a fun event. I wish they would make it four person. I think it should be the option two to four. I like that you have an Agreed. option. But but that's another thing. We will say there's so many cool formats variations. You know they did they tried the flip and go. There's bounty tournaments. There's knockout tournaments. I heard they're going to add progress knockouts, which I think would be a lot of fun. You see the wind doing mystery bounties. Like that to me is why poker is so amazing because there's like all right, forget no limit holding vanilla tournaments. You can do so many creative fun things. People love to, to have the perfect luck skill combination. I think that you know we're seeing that with the innovators of the game, party pokers, the GGs, doing creative formats, making poker fun, and, and people having a good time. And I just think that, again, it's growing. It's in a good And spot. I think this, mark my words, Jeff, I'm going to say this. I think a lot of people are seeing the beauty of all these mixed games. Yeah. The streams are out there, and people are coming. I think the I, mixed games are going to go huge in numbers. There's more luck. Mm-hmm. So anybody can win in the mixed games, you know, and – and we've had we had a player win a tournament. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about who or throw shade at anybody. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. This is a, this this is just about poker skill we're talking about, mm-hmm. not the person. A person won a tournament and he hadn't played half the games before, right? And so the mix. That's why. That's why in years past I was focused more on no limit hold'em. Even in 2018, I'm like, it's the mix games. I'm going to make a lot of final tables, right? But it's harder to win, right? Mm-hmm which means it's easier for an amateur. First tournament out of the box, 25K. I was at the final table, you know, playing great. Matt Glantz was there, and we had an amateur from the East Coast one, a businessman. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I think more and more people are going to be playing mixed games, and I think they get bigger and bigger. And there's going to be enough great players that win those right. mixed games. Yeah, it's nice, to have a, it's nice to have a mix. That's what you want. You don't want to have a chess or something where it's just the better player wins every you single know, time. I look, I look at this interesting. I just thought of this of the seven final tables I had, where did I finish first, second and second? Well, first was deuce to seven, no limit where yep. you can bet all the chips. So it's not a limit game. My, my other second pot limit Omaha where you can bet, where you can bet all the chips. And then the, the other one was the one that Adam and I, that's the mixed game where a lot of the games were betting all the chips. Mm-hmm. And in the mixed games, uh, I think I had a fourth, a fifth, and uh, sixth and an eighth or something. And so those mixed games, you know, the, the, the limit games, I'm trying to say. So when you're playing limit poker, anybody can win. And I think that's going to drive a lot of people eventually away from no limit and towards the mixed games. For sure. Another thing that I think is beautiful about the mixed games now, something that drew me to them some years ago, and I mean, I'm just looking and you can look in your uh, results are more and more going to doing very well in mix is I think as, I mean, you know, like fundamentally speaking behind it all, I believe poker uh, is a game of math. Now clearly there's a human element and you can get a lot out of it, but like as the standardization of, and GTO poker drives no limit, which is being able to be studied and broken down to this. And yes, it's more robotic and yes, there's problems with it, but it's more fundamentally 
good play. And at this point, it's not it's not some guy's video 10 years ago with his theory that's not really based on math. No, it's like a solver's mathematical output that, yes, people have to implement and they're going to make mistakes and whatever, but it's getting better. But the mix, that's not really out there yet. Man, maybe some people have some private stuff, but in terms of publicly like PO solver or whatever, it's just not. And so it's almost a little bit like going back in a way back poker time machine. Because like I remember... It's like if you go back, there are some talking about things. a lot more cards, a lot more cards, a lot more going on. You got to learn how to play eight games. There's not like a good fundamental way to study them. Unlike no limit hold'em now. And it's like you go back and, you know, just take no limit hold'em, for example. Like people used to do this like small, like three bet two, two and a half X, the open out of the small blind versus your like button open. That was awful. Solvers are doing four X now. And now like everybody in the population is doing stuff like that. Right. But it's like there's nothing like that happening in mix. So now you just have people with their own theories. And I'd almost say this. Eh, it's like not to take anything away from how good some of these guys are getting with no limit holding and studying. But that's not why I got into poker. And like I enjoy the process of thinking on my own. And to a certain extent, I think a lot of the really great poker talents, not that some of these guys aren't, but it's like figuring it out. And if you do it for no limit, you should be able to do it for all the games. Cause even though the games have different rules at the end of the day, you're applying a lot of the same. You should be able to do it away from the table. I always said the great players can become billionaires and a bunch of them did. Yeah. These guys have started Susquehanna Susquehanna or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, These guys were professional poker players, not making much money living in Vegas. And now what's the guy worth? They're worth hundreds of billions. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And so I, if you, I think if you can, if you can make a living playing poker, if you can become great at poker, that applies everywhere else. And when it yeah. comes to what you're talking about, Rasty, these mixed games, right? I mean, I, there's a, there's strategies that, I mean, I, and I change my strategy. I, I'm playing when someone raises and I have a hand that everybody else plays in the mixed games and the alarm bells are going off. I think he actually has the ace, ace, deuce in Omaha or whatever it is. Maybe I'll just fold this hand instead, right? I mean, I, you're playing all summer with five, six big bets in these mixed games, in the mixed limit games, you know, five, six big bets. And so, you know, uh, some very skilled folds will could yield the difference between a 30th place finish and a fifth place finish. And so, you know, and so, and so reading ability comes into the, the limit games as well. So I just number of times I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting at the table doing exactly this. Well, I have to play this hand. Everybody on the planet says I have to play this hand, but wait, I know he has it. But I have to play it, and I go like this. Okay, fold. You know? Yeah. And I might text one person on the planet, Mike, I just folded this. And I'll be like, sick. But I can't text anybody else because anybody else on the planet I text will say, that's a bad fold, obviously. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Listen, no one can argue with the results. No one can argue with your methodologies. I think it's uh, it's, well, very, it's exciting to watch. I would say that I think the people that say that's a bad fold, obviously, it's listen, the right way to respond to that is that, yeah, theoretically, that's a bad fold in a situation where his range is supposed to be this. But in a situation where you know the guy has it, it's actually a good fold, right? Because mathematically, if the guy's range isn't, wide if it's like say really like he has a really good hand you're not supposed to play him well especially I mean, with icm rest how many times have you and what? i because i'm giving you a lot of credit how many times have you the guy is playing every hand and he suddenly raises you're like shit this time he has aces 
you looked out of Queens and you're like, God damn it. Why does he have aces this fucking time? You know? Yeah. And you just know he has aces. And then you, and then I'll just fold the Queens and then Phil, I will give, I always like to show people better than me at this specific. I always like to show, I I always like to show my opponent, the Queens, I mean, show one of the guys on my left because they always fall out of their chair. Right. They're like, what the fuck? I've been waiting four hours to move with that hand. I remember I was playing in a cash game in 2019. Finally, for the first time in a long time, I had 150,000 in front of me in a cash game in Vegas in the Aria, right? Playing no limit hold'em. And they dealt me kinks, right? And the guy opened for 4K. It was a massive raise. We were, blinds were only like two, 400 or something. Three, six, <laughs> so 4K. Like and it goes call, call. And I'm like, well, let me send a signal. I'll make it 16,000. I haven't raised a pot in two hours. Yeah. Gets back to him, 44,000. And I'm looking and I'm like, I know he has aces. I know he has aces. And I'm like, well, I'm going to fold, but let me have some fun. So I showed Alan Keating the Kings. And he's just got very still. And I showed the next guy the Kings and he got very still. And uh, and I said, hey, fellas, I'm, I'm, I already know he has aces. I'm folding the Kings and I folded. And, uh, and you know, the guy swore to God, he had aces later. Didn't show it to me then, but yeah. swore to God and was asking me, how did you know? Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, and, but it saved me 150000 yeah. And then I quit right after that. I was up eight k, and I'm like, God damn it. I mean, <laughs> could it come the other way? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but There's certain things in those spots where it's like you've been playing for hours, and you know that you've been playing tight. You know that guy knows you've been playing tight. Correct. And you basically just – just made a three bet the field, probably like out of position. It's like I just made my biggest bet <laughs> two hours, sixteen thousand. And this guy after just showing all these folds. You probably got a read, he just confidently makes it forty four thousand. Like, oh my god, Phil he has looked a huge back hand. at his cards, like, I'm about he to like, down, you know. Uh, like uh, visions of Vegas and the mirage going yeah, off, you yeah. know. But it just so I don't know, there there are definitely times like that, and when you're in and you're willing willing to like go go with it you, you can make great plays you know i mean so that obviously there's no gto thing about that it's just more you know what your image is and that guy's image and maybe at that moment you feel like he would only four bet me with aces because if he has ace king or queens or jacks or even kings maybe he just calls my three bet and because like once he makes it 44k with queens is he like is he folding if you shove like for 90 more, like probably not. So it's like, wow, Phil's been playing so tight. Most people in that spot, like aren't going to risk whatever, a hundred, uh, you know, two, 300 blinds with Queens. They're just have aces hundred percent of the time there, you know, uh, but it's like, you can kind of sometimes like making some very specific adjustments to your read. You can kind of like make like narrow someone's range down that much. And it ends up being the right play. And I think other people get trapped too much in the like, Oh, this guy's range should be this here. And yeah, he like, was playing fast. Theoretically, Actually, he was playing that, fast, but it's he was not playing fast, but I'd never seen him three bet that day. You know? Right. Yeah, or not even three, four bet. And yeah. You know, or, Oh, you had never even seen him three bet. And now he's four bet. Oh, wait, I'd never seen yeah. him four bet. Oh right? uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so. to make a big four bet against me. And I mean, 16,000, I mean, the pot was already just so bloated 4k to 16k. You know, I mean, I just felt like I, I felt like I was announcing my hand because I knew the other two guys were going to call anyway. Yeah. So I might as well announce because you're calling. 
Right. And uh, and then the nightmare happened, you know. Yeah. I, I just think there's times when certain things happen at the table and it's like, you know, some guy who's like study GTO is getting like way too caught up in like what someone's theoretical range is. And they're just whoever your opponent, for whatever reason, is not executing like you could even say going back. Like you probably didn't have a GTO three betting range there of like ten percent of hands like squeezing the pot. You 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 had been playing snug and like you know now I don't know whether that's true or not, but like obviously for that guy to have only aces, that guy's making that determination, and you in the moment know that guy's making that determination, you know. Right. But like other people just like but that's like something that whole you talk about process. poker being pure science and math. It isn't. There's, there's an element, I mean, we can, but you, it's obvious there's an element of, I mean, I've made some of the most amazing laydowns in poker history that have been televised, right? Yeah. And been stunning, it's been right a stunning number of times, right? Saved my tournament life, you know, 30 times on television where everybody else on the planet goes broke at that point. And so, you know, and so poker isn't just math, it's also psychology. For sure. Oh, for sure. And yeah. reading and like all of that's in. But anyway, all right. Listen, are you going to drive me back to the Aria? Are you yeah. leaving? Yeah, we're yeah. going to. Guys, we're going to we're going to line it. this down, and we are going to thank you for watching. We're also going to give away some signed copies of Dan Bilzerian's new book. Ooh. I'm going to go get those signed tonight. Going to drive over, have him do that, and uh, we will be having a $100 giveaway in Bitcoin. If you guys retweet, we'll have that info below. And Phil, add, segue us out. What is Bitcoin Latinum? Can you talk about? Oh, that thanks now? for asking. Yeah, because I actually <laughs> am very curious on that. Yeah, so I, I I, <laughs> we talk all our deals, Phil. You haven't. I haven't got the full skinny, so break it here. So Bitcoin Latinum is is a coin that uh, that just hit uh, eight different exchanges. Okay. But nothing big yet. It's on smaller exchanges. So what Bitcoin Latinum does is they raise. Uh, they, they, I don't know if they've raised a billion, but they, they raise. A, their goal was to raise a billion in cash, mm -hmm. cash and securities, and that sits over here in a pot, right? And then so and they release two hundred twenty-two million coins. So each coin is already theoretically worth four dollars. Okay. Okay, so, so there's some actual value. Then the transactions on our network. So there's 36 coins that have their own network or something. So we're number 37 or whatever it is. So we have our own network. Okay. And so what we allow you to do is buy a Starbucks coffee with your Bitcoin Latin. Mm -hmm. And the fee is going to be 10 cents, 20 cents, something like that. Um, so every time a transaction happens on the network, 70% of the fee goes into this pot. So you can imagine if there's a million transactions a day, the pot will turn into a trillion dollars very quickly and each coin is worth a million dollars, right? So, but you need adoption, you need tons of people using it, right? And so, and so the speed that the transaction is, so we're also really good with speed, right? So it might take us like three minutes to approve a transaction versus if you send a friend a Bitcoin, sometimes it's 24 hours, mm -hmm. 36 hours before it arrives. We do it very quickly. Um, and then you can insure your coins. So Marshall McLennan is a very famous insurer. Mm -hmm. And you say, listen, I, if you register, you say, I have $50 million in coins. I want to insure them. And Marshall McLennan says, okay, um, because we have a three-step security process that you have to use. One, we have a password. Two, you have to use your iPhone. And three, you have to have a credit card. So if you leave your credit card at home and you, all you have is your iPhone and your password, you can't get in. Mm -hmm. You need all three. So you take the phone. It scans the credit card and then you put in. So it's a triple layer security. That's why Marshall McClenahan is insuring the coins. Well, say that Marshall McClenahan says it costs you 100000 a year to insure $50 million. Everybody's going to do that. 
because you have a guaranteed $50 million. You're paying hundred K a year to do it. Well, 70% of that money goes into this pot. Oh, wow. Pot. And so it just keeps growing, 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 growing. And so speed, speed of transaction, ease of transaction, being able to buy a Starbucks coffee without paying a $30 fee for your Starbucks, mm -hmm. rather 10 cents. And so we're ahead of the curve in so many different ways. It's really cool. Um, and it's really been fun to be a part of. Um, now, uh, uh, I'm an endorser uh, of Bitcoin Latinum, and I'm not telling anybody to buy. Um, they did not ask me to raise any money for them. Some of my friends put in money. They came to me. A lot of my friends put in money. And so I look forward to, you know, getting listed at Coinbase and Gemini. Hopefully that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's, it's my number one project. Very nice. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to be asking more about that off of camera. And as well, I see Lux on your hat. Obviously I'm a big believer in Luxon. I know Rasty is, likes as well. And that is something that I, they, investor they just, and investor, right? I, yep. We, we are, too. we are, we are definitely on team Luxon, but also you can use that for WSOP Europe. They're taking that. It really does make things easy in terms of moving money. Quickly. I love Luxon. Luxon is my second Bitcoin Latin. is my number one project, but Luxon which is on the side of my head here is my number two project. They're, they're strong. I well, Luxon strong. I believe Bitcoin Latin. I see it's on your front and center. So it must be, must be strong. And guys, thank you for watching. This was episode number three of big free with Phil Helmuth. And again, a uh, hundred dollar Bitcoin giveaway, Bolzerian book signed, going to be giving those away. So stay tuned, Phil. Thank you for the time. We'll see you very soon. Congrats on a very successful world series of poker. Enjoyed it. Thank you for being on the tag team with me. Thank you for the time. And we'll see you very, Amazing very soon. WSOP. Yeah. Cheers. Call for practice, Phil. So you guys awesome. hit the end, the end button there. Which one? The upper right end. And my that was fun. Cold.